Good morning. Please be seated. Dear Lord, open my eyes, enlighten my heart, and speak through my lips. This morning we stand between Christmas and Epiphany and the infant Jesus. And fast forwarding 30 years to Jesus being baptized. I'd like to talk this morning about something that I hope will link those two events, the infant Jesus and Jesus' baptism. I'd like to take as my text, I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Boy, he looks pretty small. 500 grams if we're lucky. Heart rate, start compressions. Tubes in. Where are we? One minute? Still nothing? Continue compressions. Give me a dose of epi for the tube. Someone get it on low UV. Five minutes. Still nothing? Continue compressions. How's that UV? Okay, epi through the UV. How are the breath sounds? I'll replace the tube. Not much else to do. Time? 10 minutes. Any heart rate? We're not gonna win this one. 23 weeks, maybe 500 grams. 10 minutes of asystole. Is mom under general? Get dad and hand me that sterile water. There are times in neonatology when the most important thing we bring to the delivery room is a bottle of sterile water. For some babies, for some families, the final service we can provide a dying infant is baptism. Why do we do this? Why is baptism the one sacrament that anyone, any baptized Christian, can administer? You don't have to be a bishop or a priest or a deacon or a ship captain or even own a rowboat. Today, I'd like to scratch the surface of how we, as Episcopalians, understand baptism and how it informs our faith. The gospel today tells the story of Jesus' baptism, the model of all Christian baptism. And usually, in our church, when baptism is preached, there is a cute little baby lying in her mother's arms in the front pew. We have to keep things upbeat, light, focused on the happy time for this family and this infant. Today, we don't have that baby here. We can ask the harder questions. Why do we baptize at all? Why do we baptize infants? Why do we baptize dying infants? And we'll start with what baptism is not. 
Despite what you may have heard, baptism is not a ticket to heaven. Certainly the tradition of baptism being entry into heaven was present by the time of the early church. There was an emphasis in ritual washing of baptism, and an adult who accepted baptism would have sins washed away by virtue of his or her willingness to amend his or her life. But from there, some invested the baptism itself with the magical power to remove sins, even the original sin that some felt was born in each person. And from there, ridiculous philosophical speculations arose. Baptism itself, the physical act, came to be viewed as necessary for salvation. This led to difficult questions. What happened to babies who died unbaptized? If unbaptized, they weren't good enough for heaven. It seemed a little cruel to send them to hell. So theologians helped God out by inventing an in-between place, not too hot, not too cold, an in-between place for, for unbaptized infants to wait forever. They called it limbo. Generations of parents lived in fear of an infant dying unbaptized, being forever separated from them, being forever separated from God. But wait, am I greater than John the Baptist? I don't think so. John said, I baptized you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John's baptism was a symbolic washing of repentance, of rethinking one's life. John's baptism was earthly. He didn't claim any significance beyond it being a symbol of new life. Am I greater than John? Does something I do or any human does to someone else make that person more or less fit for heaven? Does an innocent child's acceptance by God really depend on me being there, on where the infant's born, on what his parents ask, on his parents' belief, on who his parents are? The answer most definitively is no. And by the late 20th century, even the most doctrinaire churches had backed away from the physical act of baptism being necessary for an infant to enter heaven. Limbo gradually faded into limbo. Well, if baptism isn't, as one wag called it, fire insurance, then what is it? Why in our tradition do we continue to baptize infants? Jesus submitted to baptism 
at the outset of his earthly ministry, so it must be important. The key, again, is in John's words. One who is more powerful than I is coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus received the Holy Spirit, and Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live with each of us. As Luke's story of Jesus' earthly ministry continues, begins with baptism, Luke's continuation of his gospel in the book of Acts begins with the apostles receiving the Holy Spirit. Baptism by water, receiving the Holy Spirit. The second reading for today even makes the distinction between baptism in the name of Jesus and receipt of the Holy Spirit. For as yet the Spirit had not come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Baptism by water is less important than the receipt of the Holy Spirit. With this background, we're now ready to explore what baptism is in our tradition. First, like all sacraments, baptism is an outward and visible sign of an inward and invisible mystery. Pouring water over the head of an infant doesn't do anything. Instead, it reminds us that God has already poured out God's Spirit upon this infant, upon each of us, upon each and every person, for free and irrevocably, from before the Big Bang until after the end of time. As the infant, as each one of us grows and matures, we can deny that gift, reject that gift, hide from that gift, but we can never undo it. We are each a reflection of our Creator, marked as Christ's own forever. Baptism also symbolizes the entry into a community. As with the Spirit, it doesn't make the person enter the community. The person is already there. But it marks the entry into a nuclear family. It marks the entry into a church family. It marks the entry into the human family. For the infant I described at first, who will die without ever taking a breath, no less than for the infant who will live to be a hundred, baptism marks that that person is here, is human, is named, is loved, is God's. An outward and visible sign of an inward and invisible mystery. In the words of Isaiah, do not fear. I have called you by name. You are mine. 
Finally, for those of us given the grace of living out some time in this world, baptism is a covenant. Covenant is just a fancy word for a solemn agreement. It's an agreement among the candidate, his or her caretakers, the church community, and God. A blueprint for life in Christ starting from the very beginning of childhood. We all recite a baptismal covenant at each baptismal service. But nearly the whole service is about the responsibility of the parties in that covenant. For an infant, initially much of the responsibility is that of the community to care for the child. Will you who witness these vows do all in your power to support this person in her life in Christ? People, we will. And as Bishop McKelvey said, if you don't say it clearly enough and loudly enough, I will make you say it again. As the child grows and matures, the responsibilities shift so that by adulthood, we are reminded with each baptism that we are, among other things, to proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ, to seek and serve in all persons Christ loving our neighbors as ourselves, to strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being. Heavy stuff, hard work, a big responsibility. So in our tradition, baptism is not so much a profession of faith or a free pass to heaven, but an initiation into life on this earth, an initiation into a way of life on this earth, the way that Jesus preached from the moment of his own baptism. Baptism is not an end in itself, but a beginning for however long we are on the earth. Our baptismal journey continues every day. Over the next few weeks, I'd like to ask you to think about how we, individually and corporately, can live out our baptismal covenant with our surrounding community, how we can seek and serve Christ in all persons. As St. Peter sets its course for the coming year, we'll be discussing in various settings how this parish can witness to Christ by word and example beyond these four walls. Our baptismal covenant is something we should think about each and every day, not just when there's a cute infant in the front row.
Amen.